grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we continue in this series with a look at the life of Joshua called When God Calls You. When Joshua led his people to march around Jericho, he had God with him. Still, going into battle is scary. You're about to discover a clear method of attack you can take when facing your enemy. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give also right there at reallife.org. Teaching from Joshua chapters 5 and 6, it's part 2 of the message called Going to War. As Pastor Sean starts to tell a very personal story. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. God's strategy for warfare requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. This is a powerful, powerful principle, folks. God taught me this, and I I would say maybe the most difficult, if not one of the most difficult times of my life, and clearly one of the most painful times of my life. It's 1984, and I was 22 years old, and no other way to say it except that I married the wrong person. I'm not talking about my wife, Lori, obviously. This was before Lori. I had dated this girl, thought I was in love, and against the counsel of a number of people who loved me and who I really trusted, I went ahead and moved forward in the relationship. Oh, we went to church together. We had Christian friends. But there was something wrong that others around me were able to see. I didn't want to admit it. Honestly, I probably saw it at times, but... If you know me, I can get a little bit, when I focus in on something, you know, I can be kind of... I'd said, of course, I don't typically, typically quit easily. And so we got married. And within eight months of our wedding, she began acting strange. Within nine months, I discovered she was involved with someone at work. And at ten months, she moved out. She wouldn't accept counsel. She wouldn't take phone calls from our Christian friends. She cut them all off. She cut all our pastors off. She cut everybody off. And she served me divorce papers. I have to tell you, I I was in absolute shock. Here I was a Christian kid, you know, trying, I tried to follow Jesus. And this was something I didn't believe in (laughs) divorce. I didn't, and yet here it was. It was served to me and I didn't seem to have a choice. Friends tried to help. They were very supportive and encouraging. Some, after reading the papers and looking at the approach that they were taking, said, get a good lawyer. One friend, really wanting to protect me, suggested I sell him what little belongings I had and what little assets I had to ensure that I didn't lose them in a messy divorce. I considered this. I really did. But I prayed about it first. And let me just tell you, that's the one thing I did right. And this whole deal, you know, when you're up against it and you can't trust your judgment because you're hurt, you just want to get through it, you want it to go away, whatever, you just don't know what to do. One thing I did right is I stopped and I prayed about it. And I asked the Lord, and he made it clear I wasn't to do anything of the sort. I wasn't to try any tricks. I wasn't trying to anything like that. I was to remain still, trust him, and let him fight this battle in his way. Well, I had a court date, though, and I didn't have a lawyer. I didn't have any money. I didn't know a lawyer. Only lawyer I knew, a friend of my dad's, was a tax attorney. So I got him. (laughs) 
True story. I don't know how I was going to go on the whole divorce thing, but the money would all be accounted for. It was going to be great. So this guy's name was Don. Nice guy. Great big guy. You know, but just a nice guy, tax attorney. So we show up, we go to this hearing, and, uh, and he goes, wait, wait out here. So I sit out in the hallway, and he goes into this hearing. Well, he comes out a little while later, okay, and he's got another guy, there's another guy kind of leading the way, and then she comes with her lawyer, and they had their lawyered up faces, okay? I don't know if you know what the lawyered up faces, but it's all, you know, that kind of thing. And so we go to this room, and this guy's kind of leading the deal. Don and I sit on one side of the table. She and her lawyer sit on the other side, and this guy sits down. And he's got the pad, and he kind of starts asking, well, you guys have sued for divorce. What is it that you want? I'm thinking he's like some sort of court official or a clerk or something, just kind of doing some preliminary work before we get into this. I don't know who he is. Barely knew his name. I was introduced to him. That's it. So they start going, and they're going for everything. It's, it was ridiculous. You know, they want me to pay support. They want pay everything, give everything. And, da, da, da. and I'm looking at Don. Don's just sitting there. I'm like, shouldn't you, like, object or something? Can we do something, man? I know you're a tax attorney. Threaten them to sue them or something. And he's just sitting there. So they go on with this just incredible kind of barrage of stuff that's like, I'm, are you kidding me? And finally, I, I, I kind of just go, hey, time out, time out. And by the way, this is accepted in court even, time out. It's universally binding. When someone does time out, it's binding. And so I did. I just kind of almost interrupted. Whoa, whoa, time out, time out, time out. And, and I looked at her. I said, you know, I don't even believe in this. I, I don't want this. I said, and we talked. You, you know, we don't have much. You came in with what you had came in. I came in, and we just said we were going to do that. that I, I don't, I don't, what is this? And she kind of just stiffens up and says, I don't want your money. The guy to my left goes insane, okay? And I'm, he just gets up and goes, I can't believe you're doing this. You are jacking up this lawsuit. These kids don't have anything. They've only been married 10 months. Boom, boom. He's hammering on him. He says, I'm going to have you disbarred. Give me your card. And I'm like, holy cow, Don, should we grab this guy or something? <laughs> Truly, I, I'm like, whoa, easy, man, your blood pressure. I noticed something was weird when... Her lawyer literally pulls out a card and with trembling hand gives it to the guy. And then they get up and walk out. I didn't have to go to court. I didn't pay court costs. I didn't pay any of those things they wanted. It just was over. Turns out this guy is a friend of Don's who's a high-powered family law specialist. Highly respected, you know, just a big gun. And that's why the shaking hand. And so Don wasn't so as goofy as I thought. He's a good tax attorney, and he's got good friends. And yeah, it was the hardest thing I'd ever walked through, but, but particularly that instance of the temptation to take matters in my own hand and stop and pray, and God said, watch what I'm going to do. And then God do it. When it was all said and done, I said, Don, that was incredible. I said, I said what do I owe you? He said, well, I had to pay my buddy you know, 200 bucks to come by today. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if you want to buy me a beer, that's cool. And so that's what I did. Gave him 200 bucks for the buddy and bought him a beer. And I learned something that day. In fact, I learned a lesson I will never forget about trusting the Lord. When everything in you wants to go a different direction, fight differently. When people around you are telling you to fight different, fight a different direction. I learned God really can. Systems, political systems, Legal systems, they're all under his lordship. 
And to be honest with you, the promised land for me, two and a half years later, I married my beautiful and amazing wife, Lori, and this month, August 22nd, we are celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. Thank God, good. I have to tell you, I will never forget that lesson, ever. And it's funny, you maybe have had some experiences like this, where you go, man, I would never want to go through that again. It was horrible. I don't ever want to go through that again. But I wouldn't trade that lesson for anything. I wouldn't trade what what I learned in that time. Because before that time, I I believed I was a Christian guy. But I I was young. I hadn't walked through anything. Now I'd seen it. I saw. You know, I'm reminded of of what Jehoshaphat, remember King Jehoshaphat and God said to him, you're not going to need to fight this battle. Stand and see the hand of the Lord. You're going to have to go to battle, but you're not, you're, you're not going to do this. And God did a miracle for him. I'm thinking of Gideon when God said, you know, when Gideon was already outnumbered and had, you know, 30,000 guys, and God said, no, no, way too many, way too many. Bring it, pare it down. And had him down to 300 guys. And says, oh, yeah, you're going to go fight. And, and what you're going to use is you're going to use pots and, and, and candles. It's going to be devastating. The enemy won't know what hit him. Pots and candles. And you're going to yell. They'll never expect it. (laughs) And you remember what God did. I've never forgotten that. That was the moment when when my my faith changed at that moment because I saw it. I was like, wow, God. God's strategy for warfare requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. A couple things that I think we learned from this that I think we need to grab on to. First, don't be afraid to fight. Don't be afraid to fight. We we become so intimidated and afraid. In our culture, we as believers have been, been intimidated into silence. We're afraid to just stand up and speak truth or to fight the appropriate fights for our family, for God's truth, for our friends. Romans 8.31, I love this passage. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's really enough said. If God is for us, who can be against us? See, when it comes down to it, and you know you've got to fight, I don't know what it is, but you've got to fight for your marriage, you've got to fight for your kids, you've got to fight for, your, for what's right in a situation. You got, whatever it is, you, you really find out what you believe. Because at times like that, You're either going to trust the Lord or you're going to trust in every other kind of idea, opinion, wild hair that comes across your path. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Going to War. It's in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, Going to War. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. I want to challenge you. Don't be afraid to fight. We need to have an appropriate level of boldness. I'm not talking arrogance. I'm not talking about pugnaciousness, looking for a fight. I'm talking about appropriate boldness to stand up and let the Lord engage us in battle. Because when we do it His way, those are the things that build our faith and change us. Don't be afraid to fight. God's strategy for warfare requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. And just for a moment, as you think about who or what is against you, okay, you're, you just told us not to focus on that, I know, but just for a moment, okay? Are you afraid of those things? If, if it's a person or, or a company or a situation, what's the obstacle? What is it? Does it call, when you think about it, you get a little knot in your stomach and have some fear? Now, I want you to step back and I want you to turn and see the presence of the Lord and know he's with you. I want you just to think about that thing in his presence and realizing what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Just the simple act of stopping and remembering, wait a minute, God, you're here and I want to follow you. That changes everything. And one of the best changes almost instantly is your fear quotient goes down. And how many stupid mistakes do we make out of fear? If there's one thing I could say to you, man, when you begin to focus on God's presence, the fear quotient goes down, and all of a sudden you think more clearly because it's like, oh yeah, God, this, whatever this person is, this obstacle, this situation, it's not God. And sometimes we can obsess on it so big we can make it like it's God. It's not. It's just a person, an obstacle, or a situation. Focus more on who's with you than who or what is against you. Second thing, and this may be the hardest of all of them, uh, be prepared to wait on God's timing. Be prepared to wait on God's timing. Um, I hate this one. Okay? Because <laughs> someone's having church back there. Mm, I hate it too, brother. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's why. Let me tell you. I love the Lord. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's, he's just incredible. I could testify about him all day. But when it comes to timing, he's not consistent. There, I said it. I'm consistent because I want it when? I want it now. See, my timing's always consistent. When do I want God to step in? Now. When do I want this situation to go away? Now. When do I want that thing that I really think I need? Now. I'm very consistent, you see, right? And, And this culture has not helped me with my patient's problem, okay? 
Amazon, I'm so grateful for Amazon. I love Amazon, but it's not helping with my patience problem. I could get almost anything in the world now. And I love that. I like that. The, the problem is God's working on a bigger scale and his timing is always different. I dare say his timing is always perfect. Perfect. But it can be sometimes just really bothersome because it's not now. I love this passage of scripture, Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They who do what? They who wait for the Lord. Renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who? Those who wait for the Lord. Another translation translates that hope in the Lord. Hope. The literal word is wait. I want to suggest, I don't think hope is a bad translation, because if you hope in the Lord, you will wait for him rather than taking matters in your own hands. See, that's one of the biggest things. I will pray for something. Lord, I just pray that you'll intervene here. And then next day, it's like hasn't happened. It doesn't work. <laughs> I've had people actually tell me this, by the way. I'm kidding. I've had people tell me it doesn't like, pr- like, you know, like prayers, some sort of product they bought. And it's mine's broken. It doesn't work. <laughs> I prayed. It doesn't work, Sean. Uh, like, well, when did you pray? Just now. And I'm still right here. See, it doesn't work. Come on, man. I mean, really, there's this, this kind of thing. And, and here's what's happened. The dangerous part comes after that. After we determine, oh, well, it doesn't work because God didn't do what I want when I want. And now I take matters in my own hands. And that's the problem. That's when I miss out. You know, I had one of our elders afterwards. He says, you know, when you stop and think about it, just imagine... Uh, if, uh, if they would have stopped on day six, if they would have just got fed up and just said, it doesn't work. How would their history have changed? How would world history have changed? I, would they have had to go 40 more years in the wilderness on a new generation? I don't know. We've got to learn to wait on God's timing. To wait. And I think this is one of the hardest things because we're so impatient. But God's strategy for warfare requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. And that means don't be afraid and learn to trust his timing. Learn to wait. Last thing, learn to trust in God's process. Learn to trust in God's process. And here's the part that is sometimes hard to explain to other people. Because we feel like we always feel like we've got to explain. Let me just help you with something. You don't have to explain. I know you think you do, but you don't always have to explain. Learn to trust in God's process. The reason it's challenging is because God rarely does things in a way that seems conventional to us. Really. Imagine how bizarre they thought this whole thing was. But it's what, if, if God is consistent in anything, what's consistent is that he does things in ways that we wouldn't understand. He does things very different. Like in my, in my life, I'll go, God, what's your way? And then there's my way. And my way is always very different than God's way. And you have to realize what good news that is, right? Because if God did everything in my way, in my timing, exactly as I prescribe, that wouldn't be very divine, would it? That wouldn't be very God-like. It's a little more Sean-like. And when I'm praying, I don't want Sean-like. I want God-like. I love this passage of Scripture. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I mean, we, 
Like, what, what else do I have to lean on that? My understanding is my understanding. The, the idea is, I, I think that's, I've called it before, cripple Christianity. It's like, <clears throat> yes, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I want God's power in my life. Yes, I want God to, to do warfare on my behalf, according to Scripture. But it better be according to my own understanding. And it better make sense, and it better really sound good when I explain it to my friends and family. That's cripple Christianity because I'm leaning on my own understanding like a crutch. And I'm putting God in the box of my ideas, my perspectives. I'm leaning on this crutch of my own understanding. And the psalmist is saying, no, no, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. You've got to learn to trust God's process. He's always working on multiple levels, you know? Always working on multiple levels, and, and most of those we don't see. We're thinking one level. I'm in this issue, and I need you to do this, God, please. Or even if you're much more mature in that, and you're saying, Lord, I'm following you because you said, but boy, this is going to be hard, and, but I'm going to trust you. We're thinking on one level. God is always working on multiple levels. Remember, in Jericho, he wasn't just taking a city. God was building a people. He was building a people who would learn to trust him who would ultimately usher and bring to the world, usher in Messiah and be used by God to save the whole world. He was building a people. (laughs) God could have knocked down the walls any way he wanted. God could have sent a wind and blown the walls down. God could have snapped his fingers and the walls are down. No, God was working on multiple levels. All kinds of things happening. We're looking at one thing. He's got a myriad of things. And we need to learn to trust him. A question I asked as i early studied this passage and maybe some of you have asked why did god have them destroy the city and everyone in it that seems so brutal man seems unfair god and the short answer is not only was god building his people blessing his people god was judging the people of jericho in fact god had said to moses in deuteronomy 18 verse 9 through 12 he says When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Note that phrase, the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. These people would sacrifice as part of religious ceremonies, their children. Who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who's a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. God was bringing judgment on them. In fact, he had told Abraham in Genesis 15, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites, that's the people of Jericho, has not yet reached its full measure. God gave them time. But they continued to reject. They continued to do practices that are abhorrent and deadly. And, And here's where we have to kind of stop. See, we will actually presume to sit in judgment of God with this much information, this little window to look through. God sees it all. God sees it all. But we would dare to come and sit in judgment of God with just this little window, this little peephole of of vision. God, how can you do that? That's so fair. Understand, God sees yesterday. He sees today. He sees tomorrow. And we see this little thing. We, we actually can only experience this moment we call now, and then it's 
I've talked to you about that before. It's how we perceive time. God doesn't. God knows the destiny of those people. God knows the trajectory of their lives. God knows all of it. And so often we want to sit and judge God instead of trusting him. That's a decision we've got to make. I mean, really, when we step up and God begins to ask us, we've got to decide, am I going to sit in judgment of the great I am, the Alpha Omega, the Almighty, or am I going to trust him? Because so many times we want to, we want to judge him. Every one of us is going to have fights and battles, folks. Every one of us. And my prayer is that we remember God's strategy for warfare requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. God's doing more than just what we think is happening in this battle. He's building us. He's building our faith. He's building our relationship. The one battle I told you about changed my life. It was hard, but it changed my life. I had no idea. I thought he was just saving my life. I didn't realize he was showing me something that would forever serve me as I learned to see him differently. Well, how does he want to do that for you? What's he calling you into that could absolutely change your life and cause you to see? When when you've said before, God, I I wish I could see it. I hear people's stories. I want to see it, God. Well, maybe he wants you to. In fact, I promise you he wants you to. The question is, will you let him by following him and letting him do something like that on your behalf? Letting him a miracle for you. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Going to War in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.